0: for that ass mm-hmm. it's your man rod oh and i do what i do on the Rodcast podcast with my man he's actually a, a superhero in the world of basketball in the land down under uh he's played for australia he's played for a couple of teams in in, in australia and won championships it won championships in the u.s yes no u.s monkey yeah. didn't get one there No. I right, well, tell us why the hell you didn't get a championship in the year. Shane, the hammer here. I oh, see we got already into it. It's unscripted, unfiltered, real as a mother, huh? See, you sound all like
1: professional, and then you're rolling a little Aussie to talk. After that, mate, it's like, come
0: on, man, you are serious, so high man. level, man. You I'm are the sorry. highest level. Yeah. You are the I highest be level, be here, mate. It's great to be here, man. I appreciate you coming, man. This is like really in the hood. You might hear. Um, uh, car alarms, you might hear babies crying, you might have yeah. police sirens popping off, but we're here. we here, we're doing it at the laboratory. <laughs> Listen, I wanted to talk to you about basketball first though, because you are a big Pretty basketball I don't have much else, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we want to cover some basketball as far as you're now the head coach of a WNBL team. That's the Women's National Basketball League here in Australia. How in the hell did that come about? <laughs> the Sydney Flames.
1: So they're owned by the Sydney Kings, Paul Smith. And uh, I've known Paul for a long, long time. And uh, we spoke about it during the year that he wanted a vision. He wanted to start again and wanted to build for championships. And I said, all right, I think we can do that. So we're young. We're young. Youngest team in the league. Shortest team in the league. But
0: we can shoot the shit out of it. Paul Smith is kind of like you in the context that he's yeah. out there, he's innovative. Says what he thinks. Says what he Ashtonate. thinks. Passionate. Yeah. How did that
1: relationship start? I mean, because... Well, it's, it's amazing, actually. I've known him since I was 15.
0: Oh, okay. So I was at
1: the Institute of Sport, and uh, we had what we called house parents that looked after the block of players that right. lived in that um, block. And I don't know how the hell they put, like, a guy in the late 20s that was a drinker and hanging out and having fun. We're like, oh, my God, that's irresponsible to put this bloke in front of us. But we had a lot of fun, and uh, I hadn't seen him for years and then just ran into him
0: uh, about 10 years ago, and then he bought the Kings. And I'm like, wow. What happened in that time that he was going to make that kind of money was- acting up as a young kid Then he got yeah. billions of dollars to throw around and because you got a big salary in the Kings and all that sort of stuff? He must have made a few bit of dollars. Yeah, he's done really well in business. I mean, that's why it's great. I mean, he was trying
1: to buy a rugby league team and made some money overseas and he's brought it back and he's created a bit of an empire, like their whole hoops capital, what they're doing, that they're going to announce soon, is going to be pretty special. There'll be no other basketball team in Australia that's going to be anything like them in the next five years, their plans. right. right.
0: So then he decided that you should coach the women after yeah. your MBO career as a commentator and all that sort of jazz? Yeah. And well, I've coached women
1: before, and I've got three daughters, so I'm a girl dad. I coached them from under eights all the way to seniors. Yeah, so so. Um, I feel like you know, it's a good fit. And then, you know, maybe you was trying to get me to get to my daughter as a star. So yeah. I recruited her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She was my first signing, as, as you do. Because um, she was going
0: to go and play in the WNBA, she got drafted in the WNBA to Chicago. Yeah, mm. so she she was the number 8th pick in the
1: uh, WNBA. She went to Chicago and uh, all the conversations were great actually. The coach leading up to it sort of tried to do a deal that we didn't put her out in front of all the other teams so no one else saw her, and guaranteed that he was going to take, take her, her number 8 and he did and then she missed camp and then came in late and then they had injuries they threw her out there she played a total of 32 minutes in three weeks had two training sessions and then they cut her cut her yes <laughs> so it was uh, they well they actually cut two of my imports stephanie watts was the number 10th pick in the draft they got her from l.a and she's playing for me at the flames her and shyla so uh, but they cut her in the same week. So they wanted to bring in some veterans because they'd lost six in a row with their starters out. And they ended up, you know, getting it all right and they won the whole thing. It was mm. a team. Like I said it's shy. if you're going to get cut, get cut by the team that wins the championship. Don't right. get cut by the bottom team. But uh, a great learning experience. Tough time for her, though. Like she called me. Um, she was, it was 3 o'clock in the morning, FaceTime, in tears because yeah. she was at the airport with the team ready to jump on a plane for their first, first game. And the coach called her over before they literally boarded the plane and said, Shy, we've traded you, you're gonna be waived. So she's 19, Chicago airport, no family or friends over there, where their apartments were an hour from town, in tears, yeah. going, what do I do? Like, what do I do now? So I was like, it was heartbreaking. And, um, but, you know, it's just the way it is and she's
0: taking it on board and she'll be better for it. But, Jeez, it was, was gutted. It was ruthless. But then you talk to Paul. You're the head coach. and next thing you know, she's got a landing here with the Sydney Flames. Paul was cool with all of that, having you bring your daughter onto the team. And he was keen. He was keen. Like I said, he may have he, he may have got me to get her
1: because um, she she was incredible last year in the WNBL. Oh, she got mad skills, son. Yeah. Where'd she get that from? The mum. Mum, no, she's got a mum's <laughs> personality.
0: She's humble like a mum. <laughs> no, she got my step back, so that's all right. She can put it in, she can fill it up. Yeah, I recall her growing up here in Sydney and watching you. You know, she was messing with the comets yep. at a young North age. know yep. she's been around Sydney, so you took her around the whole. Well, time. She's been everywhere with me. So we've moved a bit over the last
1: well, the last twenty years since yep. she was born. And uh, uh, now nah, she's a good kid. She's passionate. That's her biggest trait. Is she just loves it. She works and works and works and, um, you know, builds confidence and belief. And... So y'all got a shot in winning this year? Uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, the odds came out. We're we are last. So the expectations, we're the youngest team in the league. Um, we don't have a lot of experience, but the whole mindset was we're going to build a team over the next three years. So we weren't trying to buy a championship. So, right. But at the same time, the expectations are pretty low in the first year and, Internally, we're going to go throw some haymakers. We're going to shoot a lot of threes, and these girls can really shoot it. And they
0: play hard as shit. Well, you got an assistant coach that I'm a really big fan of, uh, the Urban Warriors leader out there. She got her own fitness program and everything now. She's a, an Olympian. Uh, She's definitely tough as nails. Shelly Gorman. Is she still called Gorman now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gorm. She. Um, so I grew up with Shelly.
1: We've known each other since we were thirteen. Yeah. And she's just a champion. As soon as I got the job she was the first person I spoke to. She so she's been out of the game for twenty years. Yes. I'm like, mate, we need to get you back. That's just too much experience and wealth of knowledge to be yeah. able to pass on to these girls and so to, nice. you know, she's won like six championships, she's been M V P three Olympics, she played in the States, she played in Europe. It's like this sort of stuff's just it's gold. So she's a champion, great, great girl and um yeah, she's she's
0: been awesome to work with too. Well, man, you're doing all kinds of stuff now. You have your own podcast, which uh, I'm happy to be one of the voices. The vo- no, you are the voice, mate. <laughs> there was only when we said that we were getting this done with my partner David Wolf.
1: Uh, I said, man, we need to get the O because we need that voice. voice
0: so tell you. us, tell us about the show. It's called the Basketball Show. Yep, it's and you and original. David Wolf. Yep. Wolfie's a great dude. He's a, a mover and a shaker in the Sydney's basketball circles as well in the business community. Yep. No, Wolfie's
1: great, and we've been mates for a long time, and he's mm. a sports agency and PR agency. And- um we always wanted to do a show and a lot of the people said the show just doesn't work in australia and we we're like all right we're going to back it we financed it we ran the whole thing started it uh throwback mike lazarus yes, we were yes. doing it out of his sports store to start with yes, grew it We're six seasons in now and now it's backed by news corp and um we're on ko uh, but we had episodes last year we we're getting 200 plus thousand a week views across all of our mediums so this year, expect it to go bigger and better again, and it's going to be good. Joe Healy's the host, and uh, Derek Rucker does his bit, and you know we talk a bit of shit and banter and argue about stuff, so it makes
0: it fun. So in the NBA, your your pickers are who to finish where at the top of the table type of shit. I I love Miami. I'm not sure they're going to win
1: it, but right. I love them. I love the way they play. I love their toughness. When, you know, when you got Butler and Lowry and Tucker, they like they just they're stubborn and they just grind. Yeah, and then they've got the shooters around them. They're like anyone who matches up against them in the playoffs is going to earn any win if you get through them because they're just tough. Mm. And you just tell them, that's the sort of guys they are. And they're well coached, so I like them. I like Phoenix too, though. Phoenix okay. in the West for me.
0: It's good. Book is great. Over, over uh, the Warriors, huh? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I love the Warriors and I love Steph. And with Clay
1: coming back, obviously, it's he hasn't even to stepped back on the yet. court yet. Yeah. Um, so they're probably, they should be the favourites. But I really like, I think the experience of what Phoenix did last year still gives them mm. a chance,
0: right? CP3 is a little
1: shitty. Yeah. He's a little bit like those style Lowry. He's just stubborn little shit. Mm. He's just like, nah, we're just going to get this done.
0: So, but I mean, the, they that'll be great basketball to watch. Mm. Awesome. Okay. Uh we as an Australian basketball people, which we are, Giddy, the young kid at OKC, Warwick used to play against king, his father. The king was. The king he was? The king, king was. And now he's got Josh in the building carving it up. Talking about a contrast of like players.
1: Like, yes. it was, father and son. It was was like one of the greatest teammates I ever had and uh the most just a role player, a mm. passer. Could not shoot
0: at all, um, but one of the best teammates. That's fucked up. <laughs> it was. I'm not gonna go with that one. <laughs> what couldn't shoot for shit, but he was still one of the first
1: people you'd pick mm. because of what sort of teammate and how tough he was and what he did. He's a Wollongong boy, playing rugby league, rugby union. It's tough, and, and he's like mentoring his son, like Josh. He like Josh is unbelievable for his size and, and you know his vision to be able to create. Is. And, and what, what's what been most impressive about Josh is that what he's done at under-16s, under-18s, when he went to the Institute, then he came into the NBL, no matter what level he went to, he still played his same game. Mm. And now he's doing the same shit in the NBA right, as consistent. what he was doing in the NBL. So he just keeps raising his game as he's playing against better people and his upside is off the charts. I mean, you imagine him as a teenager now mm.
0: doing the shit. He's poised. Nineteen. Oh, like, and how good would he be to play with? Because, you know... Australia's like a little passing the ball. And he's, yeah. He's playing with a lot of kids that uh, want the ball, and, but he's he's scoring too, though. Yeah. And he's facilitating, he's getting to the basket himself. He's a great player, I think. He's got a big His, upside.
1: Decision-making is great. Those guys would love playing with him, but what makes it exciting for me is, imagine seeing Paddy Mills next to him and Joe Ingalls and... Um, some of these guys with the Australian team like when he gets in there I thought he should have gone mm-hmm. to the Olympics because um, you get that first Olympics even if you're not playing and my first was 92 I called myself a 20 point player I only got on when we are up 20 or down 20 otherwise I was 12th man I was mm-hmm. in the red frogs at the end with the physio um, <laughs> but he, he would have been doing the same shit but the experience you get and for me getting there it's like yeah, it's great to be here, but now I want to make a Performance. difference. Now, now I want to make a difference. So the next Olympics, now you know you can be in the top five
0: and scoring in the in, in the Olympics. Like you get that and you grow. Well, you you took it, you took now you're taking me to a place. I wanted to ask you really, Shane Hill. We will skip. We'll come back to Josh, but do you really think you would have kicked Charles Barkley ass? What was on your I'm mind? Back, you know, yeah, trying, I trying trying to give him the business. He says yeah. some shit that if, if he if he, he would if he would have got his hands on you, yeah. you might not have had a daughter to go into the WNBA. <laughs> yeah, he, well, he, he did say that shit then. A bit late.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I remember I, I grew up, rightly or wrongly, my dad always taught me, if you're going to get in a fight, you better throw the first, first. one. And I remember um, when we came together on the way to it, to the timeout, I was trying to get to this bench. He was getting to that bench, and neither of us did yet. So we ran into each other again, and everyone else ran in. And he grabbed me, and he got me down like this, and I grabbed him. <laughs> Andrew Gay's saying lately because he knew what my dad had told me the way I grew up. He's like, "Please don't fucking throw up! <laughs> Please don't <laughs> throw up!" So, uh, so did you yeah. think you would have given him
0: an Uh whooping? he's a big boy, isn't he? He's I know got one in though. You, you would have got some in. I would have got some in. That. I always tell people, you know, I, I was with Dwayne McLean and uh, Charles Barkley. We was together when Magic Johnson uh, said that he had the, the Letterman shit going on. And we were in Villanova. And I was thinking, man, you know what? I, th- I think the Shane would have got a few in. Yeah, I was definitely getting him in.
1: Now, if he got hold of me and he had the big fella had got a little bit of weight behind some of those... So I you may, he may not have been a, been tra- a father. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good memory, though. He
0: is. He brings it up often. Because I think you're one of those dudes that really got in his
1: job. I think was just surprised. I You know, and that was the thing, though. We went over there, and we... Uh, Charles Barkley was one of my favourite players, mm. and he's one of my favourite personalities to this day. Mm. And... Um, but... All the other teams were getting photos with the Dream Team, getting autographs, and it's just not the straight <laughs> way. We're like, they are not doing that. Mm. And um, so, you know, what he did was a cheap shot. It wouldn't have mattered whether you played, you know, on the international stage or I was playing In at Alexandria. Mm. You're going to do the same shit, right? Someone just takes your legs out. You're not going to do nothing. <laughs> give him the business. Yeah, give him <laughs> choice words. So after I after I gave him some choice words. He's like, what did you say? I didn't know whether he couldn't believe what I just told oh, he him. He couldn't understand English. He couldn't understand the accent.
0: <laughs> Australian English. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that boded well for you. Uh, Josh didn't make the Olympic team. Why do you think Gordon didn't take him? I think he probably felt that Sobey was more ready to defend right now. Hmm.
1: Great athlete, had a great season. Um but I felt like they had so many other players that could have done that. You know, Sobey wasn't playing anyway. So I think sometimes you're investing in the future as well. Um, and Josh will get his, his turn and does it make a huge difference? Probably not. They won a medal and mm. you know, maybe it was back up, but um, uh, I would have liked to have seen him just get that experience and then he would have been ready to go. But he's gonna be awesome regardless.
0: Because you did the Olympic thing and then you went to the pros to the big dance, the NBA. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. After you and Charles Barkley decided to kiss and make up. Well, I mean, it was interesting during the Olympics.
1: Um, You know, some players want to know what's going on with their agents and what opportunities there are. And mm -hmm. some people say like, no, don't tell me. I wanted to know. So I'm on the phone with my agent (laughs) every day and I'm like, mate, what's happening. So at the end of the Olympics and sort of that was the lead up to it. And then I had a really good Olympics and, finished in the top ten in scoring and assists and, and had a lot of confidence. I sort of fed off the fact that you know it was all happening and then we made the final four again and then there was it was like five or six teams that offered me minimum waged, mm-hmm. non-guaranteed deals, which mm-hmm. is nothing. No. It's like come to camp. Yeah. And I was like, no, nah, we're not doing that. And then um, Minnesota had Minnesota and LA, the Lakers had the most interest. And but Minnesota said we've got a training camp come in to this summer league. Come in and do well, then we'll talk about uh-huh. you know, a guaranteed deal. Mm. And um, it was a little bit unfair because I'm playing at the Olympics games against the best players in, in the world. world. And then I go into a training camp, and Stefan Marbury, who was like the number three or five or whatever, he was their big gun. Yeah. Kevin Garnett, all these guys, they were at the training camp as well. And uh, And even though as good as Steph was, I was coming off an Olympics. I was playing against men. This kid was a college kid that hadn't really done much for a little bit of time as well. So mm-hmm. it was a bit of an unfair advantage, and and I I played some really good basketball. Busted his ass. Come on, yes. did you bust his ass? Yeah, yeah. I, I they brought out the stats. On the last day, we had breakfast with the guy doing all the recruiting and they brought out the stats and they were like, wow, they break down how many shots you make going left, how many you make going right, how many dribbles before each shot, how many come off strands wow, screens, players, like the whole lot. You know, we're talking 25 years ago and uh, I shot the piss out of it. And um, Does yeah, that mean good
0: though? Yeah, that's good. Okay, You shoot the piss out of but it. But if it, you right? take the piss, is that good too? It depends who you're taking the piss out of. All right. But it's not being pissed on. There's no being involved. <laughs> no. All right. No. But and then a few weeks later I signed a three year guaranteed deal. So it was um yeah, it was good. It was good. With KG as a young man. Yeah. Shit talker. So how did training camp must have been and train must have been fun because you yeah. like to talk a lot of shit. Yeah. He liked to talk a lot of shit. You were yeah. both young. Yeah. Well, I was like twenty six when I went. So it was like he was nineteen. Mm. And
1: you know, back in those days, I mean, Luke Longley was the only one who played in the NBA from Australia. Yeah. And I wasn't going to the Olympics thinking I was going to the NBA. Mm-hmm. I, I just wasn't thinking like that. Not because I didn't have the confidence, just because it's never been done. Right. I thought I'd, you know, maybe go to Europe at some time mm-hmm. or whatever else. Um, whereas now, young kids, I talk to young kids now, kids that aren't even that good, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm going to the NBA." <laughs> like, Change the, the whole mentality's changed. Yeah, and it's mentality from. The NBA's changed because they didn't think anyone else around the world could even play basketball outside of America. Right. You know how they are. Yeah. Americans yeah. Are like, no one else plays basketball. Like, now they that. understand, you know, when you start bringing in Kukoc and, you know, Raja and Divac and all the, like, those European guys with the first to the go there. great and, skills. Yeah. Yes. And now everyone around the world gets opportunities. They're recruiting, you know, players like that. So, um, yeah, things things changed. So how did you
0: and KG get along? Um, so
1: KG, oh, I got along really well with KG and Steph. Okay. Oh, I did have one incident. Have I told you the story? No, of The I incident don't. with KG? No. Um, we're playing, everyone's playing one-on-one, and there's like six baskets. Yeah. You play one on one. It's live. As soon as someone gets scored on, they move to the next basket. Okay. So I scored on KG, moves to the next basket. I am him like three or four baskets around. Yeah. I get a stop, I score on him again. And he grabbed the ball and he pegged the ball at me. He yeah. smashed me with the ball because he was so pissed off that I scored on him twice. Yeah, And I the ball hit me, I wasn't looking, the ball hit me and then it bounced off and rolled off. I chased the ball down and then I took like three or four steps to get really close to him. And I fucking pounded the ball as hard as I could into his back. Ooh. Uh, and the um, assistant coach, a guy called Mike You Shuler, still got your
0: original teeth, though, right? Okay,
1: go on. The guy, Mike Shuler, he's this little, the real little guy with squeaky voice. And uh, he was the closest coach there. And I'll never forget it because everyone stopped yeah, cause you as should. I pound this ball into the superstar. He just signed for 126 million. a million, a million about, yeah. six years, right? <laughs> so I smash him with it. And uh, Mark Schula goes, "I told you, I told you, the Aussie's fucking crazy. Don't <laughs> fuck with the Aussie." <laughs> that was his whole thing. I'd never forget it. But uh,
0: KG was cool. He, um, he, came he must have it. said some shit. And they must have had to hold him back though. He, did he, he come didn't come at you. He didn't. No. Nah, nah. uh, in the locker
1: room, he he came up to me and he goes, "Man, you're like." I shouldn't have done that shit. I'm sorry, man. I shouldn't have done that shit. Wow, cool. Oh, man. cool, man. That's all yeah. good. Cold-ass Minnesota. <laughs> good. Oh, yeah, that was cold. That was an experience. I had two kids under two. Mm. It was tough lifestyle for my family. Crazy. 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 People don't understand. You say minus 30, minus 40, minus 60 with the wing chill. For real. But I until you actually experience there. it, yeah. you don't really understand. It sounds cold, but you don't understand how cold people haven't been there.
0: Coming full circle here now with the WNBL. What, what do you think uh, you played in it? You commentated in it. What, what do you see as being fire here in, in this league now? Uh, this could win the title possibly. Who, who do I think will, who win, do the you title? Think will win the in, NBL title NBL. here? Yeah, because you you played in yeah, this yeah, league, yeah. you've commentated no, I'm about it. Again okay, this year. okay.
1: Um, I reckon it's really even. I think that there's four teams. Okay. I think the four teams that can win it are um, uh, Sydney, I think uh, Illawarra with Gorge, I think South East Melbourne are going to be good, and I think Perth are the four teams.
0: I'm picking Melbourne United, who won't last year, to not make the top four. And you didn't give the wings? I mean, the Kings uh, are any, any... No, I said Kings. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay.
1: Kings, Illawarra, South East Melbourne and Perth. I've got United finishing fifth. Wow.
0: How oh, that league owner might not have too much to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But how does that work, man? The the guy that owns the basketball team, there uh, isn't any percentages in any, any other teams, or he's helped them survive. So he's got some chips that are going towards helping other teams. He owns the referees. How does that work in Australian basketball? Wow. Well, I mean, it's different, but it's like, very I mean, different. See, see, people talk about Melbourne United. He owns like five percent of Melbourne United. It's not a big interest, but still, the big, the biggest cock in basketball is walking around, right? I and mean, they got some yeah. fears. I mean, it's not like
1: yeah, the, the but, but Silverman. But Silverman, Silverman but why don't they in, that only, He owns Brisbane.
0: No one ever brings Brisbane up. I'm saying, how does the owner of the league own several teams in it? And 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 but the only reason is is because like I I put. You know, he's had on, right?
1: He doesn't want to own Brisbane. He doesn't want to be forking out money for Brisbane. But no, if people can't buy it, we've actually got an advantage that the league owner will prop up teams until someone comes and buys them. That's the advantage we've got because it's five to six years ago the league was so bad. It was on its knees. It was like no one wanted to own a team. Was, and the, t- the owners that were there were like just so bad compared to the level of owners. Like what I worked for for the Kings when mm-hmm. the two years, it's like, oh, goodness. Like we, we, they didn't even pay our parking at training. So I had to get guys to come in and move everyone's car so we didn't have to pay car wow. parking. Mate. Like that's – so the league's gone so far. And I think it's natural – that people will question the ownership from Larry because in a perfect world, it wouldn't happen. But I think that
0: it has to do a certain point until people are prepared to come in and buy the licences. Yeah, I mean, as being an American and being, you know, yourself being played in the NBA, that's just a whole different ballgame to, to play under those scenarios, you know what I mean? That the guy that owns the whole league owns everything. and But that's because there's... There's such a big market for ownership
1: in the States where some of these guys like are buying, they bought teams for 500 million and now they're worth like 3 billion. Mm. The the money in ownership in the States, and it's hard to get in, and then people are fighting over getting those licenses. Our league was so bad six years ago that he had to back it with his own money to get it to a certain level. I'll be surprised in five years' time, whether Larry's got ownership in any team. Because I think it will have matured enough that they're attracting guys like Paul Smith. Comes in, oh, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna take the, the Kings to this whole different level over time and they'll start
0: attracting ownership that has big bank yeah, but if some of them owners that's got that kind of money, they think, well, shit, why would I go and put my money in that league when the dude that owns the whole league I'm playing against him in the championship game, he owns the referees, he owns the... But do you really
1: think that the referees are intimidated by that?
0: He's 5% in Melbourne. He's the boss. I, 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 Just, you know, just yeah. walking around playing or whatever, you know, that is the boss of the league. Yeah. And and everybody sees him as the big balls of Melbourne <laughs> United. And it's like, yeah. you're not going to go and punch the boss in the mouth or say some crazy shit about the boss. But, yeah, I, have you thought about owning a portion of I, any teams? Geez. Hey, I, I was a
1: part owner of the Kings back when we won our championship. I own 10% of the Kings. But... Yeah, not these days, mate. man. That 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 bank. Oh, so months. so
0: that gave you a license to punch Dunn in the mouth. Oh, <laughs> oh no, that was the championship years. That about. was years. <laughs> yeah, that was years later. What? Tell me about that guy, man. I, what is he was, He's done? Yeah, oh, you was still love him? Do you guys share no, Christmas cards? No,
1: no, no. I, I, I found it difficult. We had 14, 15 owners, and yeah, it was it was a it was a poor culture of the ownership. Well, I coach the Kings. It really was. And, you know, you got a lot of people that have money, that put money in and then believe they've got the right to be able to coach the team and make subs and, you know, tell people who they should pick and, and how many minutes they should play. And if you've got a drunk owner sitting behind the bench giving you some opinions in front of, you know, our yeah, players that's... and whatever, sometimes they need some choice words. You know, you fuck whether <laughs> they're one of the owners or what. It's like, mate, take your head out of your ass. That's just shit. Who does that? Mm. So, yeah, uh,
0: he's a different guy. So all to come full circle as well. You and Paul Smith are pretty cool, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. Nah, Paul's great. What what Paul's doing for the
1: Kings in the Vision when it gets laid out, people are going to go, "Wow, it's crazy." But you know, he's he's got his own opinions. He's passionate mm. for love. And he respects that I've got my opinions and I'm passionate. And
0: um, do you guys have any uh, sparring facilities that you can go and? punch it out before or after a game. You think we're gonna you think we're, we're gonna be going at it? I don't know. I, I think I think that if he was to say something was, you would definitely uh, check his ass. I think um I think
1: we all want the same thing. I think setting that culture up from the real from the start's been good and you know he's not hands on on like you know, I speak to Paul every two three weeks, it'll probably change when the season starts. Mm. And, but there's a whole lot of people in between as well. And um, I just like the fact that he's prepared to invest in women's sport, you know, because whilst the women are never going to get paid with the men because the men bring in away a lot more money. Different crowd. Yeah, it's, and, and you can't, like, you know, equal opportunities, you know, financially doesn't work because it all comes down to the income. Mm. But what he's been able to prepare to do and get, Women's sport on the board for basketball is great, and create, you know, these role
0: models and young kids like Shy that so many kids are looking up to now. Oh yeah, she's definitely the talent there, man, and she's just taking a chip off the old block. Let me uh, let me see this last bit here because you got you've been training and, you, and had a game today, didn't you? Yeah, we've um,
1: we've been going for about six seven weeks, and we've uh, had five practice games, and because, we I mean, we got eleven out of fourteen players that are new. So it's like we need time, whereas other teams, sort of, I'm the only new coach in the leagues. So other teams have already got all that shit together from last year, mm. majority of their team. So, yeah, it's going to be a
0: challenge, but we're ready for the challenge. It's going to be good. Mallet, what do you do? And I, and I, yes, I did call him Mallet. His nickname is Shane the Hammer Hill, but we've known each other 25, 30 years now. <laughs> and my nickname for him off the court is Mallet. Mallet, what are you doing outside of basketball? Geez, good question.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've got my family and spent a lot of time with my family, mate. Now I'm just at home and friends and down in the shower.
0: Well, yeah. I, I want to now out, out you because you are into horses as well nowadays. You, you're a bit of a horse owner. No. Uh, he... It's probably, Yeah, <laughs> I'm not.
1: But I got roped into a horse. <laughs> so uh, I worked with Mark War and uh, Brian Fletcher. And, the football and cricket, uh, yeah, Fox Guru and um, Russell Barwick, and uh, they said, "We got this horse. Come on, you get to come in." And uh, I was like, oh. <laughs> there's a horror stories about bloody owning horses and throwing money away, bloody you know having them be trained. But we stumbled. Our horse actually has done really well. It's, we call it's called Different Strokes, and uh, he won uh, three of his first six races and one at Ramwick and doing really well He's out got to posture at the moment, but
0: he be coming back. Yeah, because I would heard a little something something about you being a, uh, a horsey person. I was like, get out of here. And, they, and then this dude told me, he said, well, listen, Shane has got a horse and he's going to be running. So I got on the phone and I called up the mallet. I said, yo, is this true? And I said, get on. And it won. Yeah. <laughs> And then one, I'm not a gambler, only in lust and love, but uh, yeah, I tried the horsey thing. And uh, yeah, it was a little something. Got a little, something, for the- got a little yeah. something. Andrew Lazarus, I got him to put the bet yeah. on for TA because I'm, they're one of my clients. I'll mention him. Uh, and yeah, he put the bet on for me. I, I bet a whole $10. He got Yes. paid for something. Did, 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 did. Shane the Hammerhill, man. Thank you so much for coming on to Say the it. Rodcast Podcast. That's, That's gone quick, man. It's gone I know I got to get you in. I got to get you out. I know you got other appreciate things to do, man. That. And I appreciate you greatly for taking the time out of your busy day and playing with the Rodcast Podcast now. And what's the name of the show that he's got again? I'm going to plug it one more time, Shane. What's the name the, of your? The Basketball Show. The Basketball Show. Face. Good in? Share the broadcast podcast for that ass. Mm